The quality in which we see the world shapes the quality and success we experience. This is a quote from today's guest, Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson, who has written a book called The Success Mindset, and he is a master of helping leaders and teams with their mindset in development. Um, he backs his work with neuroscience. He talks about the key to unlocking inner greatness and greater success to help you bring out the hero in you. And you all know, who those of you who have been following me for a while know how much I love mindset and that it's one of the core uh, strategies that I work on with people. And so when I found Ryan, I thought, oh yeah, he is just our type of guest to bring on to talk about mindset. He is a university professor at uh, California State University Fullerton. He has a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources from Indiana University and a BA. He is a badass and I can't wait to pick his brain and bring some tips to all of you in the realm of mindset. So welcome to the show today, Dr. Ryan. Thanks for having me on. I, I, we mentioned this before the call, but I've been looking forward to talk to another mindset joke. So this will be yeah, fun. Yeah, I know. I, 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 when I bring someone on like you, I'm like, oh, let's have a 20-hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> probably could. <laughs> Absolutely. So share with us, how did you get into the realm of mindset? Yeah, great question. So when I was doing my PhD at Indiana University and I was doing my dissertation on leadership, this allowed me the opportunity to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And the majority of that research focuses on behaviors. What behaviors do leaders need to engage in to be effective? And this is really interesting and it is beneficial, but it didn't sit really well with me because I think it's a little short-sighted. And, and the reason why I think it's a little bit short-sighted is because I think that leadership is more than just doing the right thing. It's more about being a certain type of person. And so since my dissertation uh, about six or seven years ago, my primary focus has been how do we tap into this being element of leadership? And everything's led me to mindsets because what I've learned is that our mindsets or the mental lenses that we wear is foundational to how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. So really, our mindsets are foundational to everything that we do. We do. Uh, I love that. I love the term you just said, the mental lenses we wear uh, and the beingness. Ta talk a little bit more about that idea of, you know, I think a lot of people focus for a lot of years prior, have focused on exactly what you're saying, the doing part. But when you don't have the mindset aligned in the right way, it's really hard to do the right things because your beingness is incongruent and off. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, let me give you an example. So, for example, how do you see failure? Right? So some people see failure as being bad and something we should avoid because failure might expose our weaknesses. Other people see failure as a good thing because failure is maybe the best opportunity for us to learn, grow, and develop. So our mental lens around failure, which is a fixed or a growth mindset, shapes how we think about these situations and therefore how we're going to behave when we encounter failure. So what research has found is that those who see failure as being a bad thing, when they experience failure, they, they get depressed. They start to beat themselves up. When those that have a growth mindset and see failure as an opportunity to learn and grow, 
when they feel they double down on their effort and they're able to stay persistent. And the thing that's interesting about this is that our mindsets for most of us reside at a non-conscious level. And so we don't even know, we have a tendency to think that how we see the world or how we, in this instance, see failure is the best way to see the world, but it just may not be that way. And if we're not seeing it in the most optimal way, it's likely limiting how we think, learn and behave and therefore our success. Mm, so wise and awesome. I want to think about if someone is stuck in that mindset where they're in the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset, what can they do to get out of it and shift into growth mindset and see failure uh, from a different perspective? Great question. And I'm going to give you more than what you're asking for. If that's okay. Let's awesome. jump into some of the neuropsychology behind this. Love it. Because it's really fascinating because when we understand the neuropsychology, that's when we can truly comprehend how foundational our mindsets are to what we do. So in our brain resides our prefrontal cortex. And when we encounter a situation, our senses are sending all sorts of stimuli to our prefrontal cortex. But our brain can't process all of that information. And so what it relies upon is our mindsets or specific neural connections that filter in select information and interpret that information in unique ways and how we interpret that unique information goes on to fuel how we think, learn, and behave. So in the case of fixed and growth mindsets, we all have a fixed mindset neural connection and we have a growth mindset neural connection. We can all see failure as being bad and we can see it as being good. Now, how we essentially interpret failure in any given situation depends upon which mindset neural connection is stronger. So if our fixed mindset neural connection is stronger, it's going to fire more quickly and more readily, whereas our growth mindset neural connection, it just fires slower and softer. And we just come to rely upon the neural connections that's firing quickly and readily. And so when we start talking about shifting our mindsets, what we need to do is we need to activate work out and strengthen our positive mindset neural connections. And as we do that over time, the negative mindset neural connections, their strength will decrease and we'll come to rely upon them less and less and rely upon the positive mindset neural connection more and more. So that we're kind of getting in the weeds there. So I want to make sure that that's making sense. You feel like that? Love it. You know, so at, at what I think about when I think of paths of least resistance, right? So what you're talking about is how in our mind we have a almost a, it's like a blueprint, right? And an operating system for the path of least resistance. And it gets, it, I, I talk about it as like a sled hill where you take the path multiple times and it gets icier and faster and it's the path that your brain wants to go to. So you actually have to train it in a new direction to tamp down a new path, but it's, it, it's, it takes the work and the exercise like building a muscle because it's not the path of least resistance and it's not the easiest way to go until you make it the new path of least resistance. Precisely. So it, the new paths aren't going to come naturally to us. Yeah, and that's what it makes shifting our mindset so difficult because it feels foreign to us. And it's likely that we can easily justify our negative mindsets that we have. I mean, there's a reason why we developed them. We thought they were good in the first place, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're always the best mindsets to have. 
Ah, oh, so good. Well, I'm curious, you know, because something you're pointing out that's really powerful is that two people can have an experience of the exact same thing and perceive it very differently based on those neural pathways that got created when they were young. What do you, you know, what's kind of some insight there about common themes among people with fixed versus growth mindsets? Yeah, great question. And you're right. Our mindsets are based upon our past life experience, but also our current culture and context in which we're operating. Um, because that current culture and context socially incentivize certain ways of thinking. And so mm. both of those dynamics are what feed our mindsets. In the case, and let me just maybe back up for a second and I'll come back to fixed and growth mindsets. My approach to mindsets is that is really an academic approach because when I first started to learn about the power of mindsets, I, I actually, the first thing I did was any, uh, you know, something that any good academic would do is I went to Google and I literally typed in <laughs> what mindsets do I need to have to be successful. And I don't know if you've done this, but I was really frustrated with the results because most of the articles weren't talking about mindsets. They were actually talking about behaviors. And then we would find, I find articles that one article would promote one mindset and the other article would promote the exact opposite mindset. <laughs> and so after finding that, I, I was like, okay, I'll do what I really should have done in the first place, go into the academic research. And what I found is that mindsets have been studied for the last 30 years across psychology, education, management, and marketing. And in each of these pockets, they're identifying their own specific pet mindsets and they largely aren't talking to each other. Yeah. And so what I've done with, with my book, Success Mindsets, is I've essentially just brought these different streams of research together into one framework where I focus on four different sets of mindsets. And each set ranges on a continuum from negative to positive. And so going back to kind of fixed and growth, the fixed would be more on the negative side and the growth would be on the positive side. So, um, I, there's mindsets beyond these four sets. Uh, the only reason why I focus on these four sets is because there's about 30 years of academic research and practice demonstrating that they do influence our thinking, learning, and behavior. Um, and so in the case of fixed and growth mindsets, what the research is showing is largely the difference is how we evaluate our self-worth. So if we have a fixed mindset, we don't believe that we can improve, then when we hit failure, we're inclined to interpret that as though we are failures. And so those with the fixed mindset are primarily focused on looking good. They, they back away from challenges because challenges are ripe for failure. Those with the growth mindset, on the other hand, because they believe that they can learn and grow, they see challenges and failures as opportunities to learn. And the, the primary findings is, one, it affects how they approach their work in, in terms of do they approach challenge and failures readily? And then second, their effort levels. How willing are they to put forth effort in the face of obstacles? And, and they're significantly more likely. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully that sets a, a decent foundation in the brief back to what you're asking about. Absolutely. I love it. You know, something I think that I, got, I used to get really frustrated in, in academic world was the lack of collaboration because there's these different bodies of knowledge that have so much gold and wisdom and research and money behind them. And then they're not talking to each other. And so I love that you've done that. I can't wait to read your book. 
Um, and then I want to highlight for listeners too, if you haven't heard of the book Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K, awesome book. So it sounds like a lot of your research is based in that realm and that body of knowledge and you're adding another layer to it. For sure. And one of the things, I love Carol Dweck's book as well. I think it's fantastic. If I was to say one limitation about her book is she kind of clumps together these different mindsets into fixed and growth. And one of the things that's been really interesting, so across these four sets of mindsets is I've developed a personal mindset assessment. It's free. Anybody can take it. It's on my website, ryangoffinson.com. And I thought that these four different sets of mindsets would be correlated. And what I'm finding after about 10,000 people who have taken it is there's very little correlation across the different mindsets, which suggests that these are very distinct mindsets from each other and that there's value in separating these out. So I love the basic ideas of Carol Dweck's work and the fact that she's focusing on fixed and growth mindsets, which is really important, but she does clump into some other ideas that I think that there's benefits from separating out. Awesome. Will you outline your four, you see you have four types that you outline and then you go deeper into the book, in your book. Ooh, can't wait. Okay. Will you outline the four for us and tell us some of the characteristics of each of those? Let's do it. So we've talked about fixed and growth and we can always come back to that. The next set is the difference between a closed and an open mindset. So when we have a closed mindset, we're closed to the ideas and suggestions of others. And it's oftentimes because we are in implementation mode. Uh, another reason why we have a tendency to have more of a closed mindset is we may think that what we know is right. And when we think that what we know is right, we want to be seen as being right. So we want to be the one providing the answers as opposed to asking questions. And we stifle different perspectives and new ideas. Mm-hmm. But those with an open mindset, it, they just leave room for the idea that they could be wrong. So if their mind is a bucket, we're just saving some space for the idea that we don't know it all. And when we save that space, our focus is no longer on being right. Our focus becomes on finding truth and thinking optimally. So rather than answer questions, we ask questions. We invite feedback. We invite new perspectives. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when we have this open mindset, we are able to create a psychologically safe work environment, which is paramount to group and team success. Mm, love that. A psychologically safe environment. What I, what I hear, what really stands out to me there is this idea when you, you know, I love the term open mindset because you're open to new ideas. You're open to not holding a, a black and white stance that you know the answers, which then leads you to question more from a curiosity place, which then makes people feel safe to ask questions and explore options, which is kind of like a brainstorm dump, right? And, and it allows for more creativity and collaboration. Would you say that that's true? Precisely. I mean, the, what's the two topics that we're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table, right? Politics <laughs> and religion. That's and- funny. I was going to say sex and money. <laughs> <laughs> Add those to the equation as well. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so if a lot of times just people are really opinionated, they believe that their perspective is right. And when we believe that our perspective is right, we just have a tendency to close off the ideas and suggestions of others, as opposed to say, hmm, what is, what is beneficial about their perspective? Yeah. And what can I learn from their perspective? And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, 
it's only when we have an open mindset that allows us the ability to think optimally because we're not closing ourselves off from information that might be beneficial to us. Mm, super powerful. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian family and in a lot of ways it, it is a black and white perspective. And so it's taken me a lot of years to move from that way of thinking into this openness because it's a really closed mindset where it's like, I know the answer, there's no other option. This is the way that kind of thing. And so shifting out of that and into this more expansive perspective, it's like, Oh, there's a spectrum of options here. <laughs> yes. Precisely. And it changes everything really, you know, because it allows for that place of curiosity. I'm, I'm really curious for you. What led you, you know, I asked you about what led you into mindset, but what led you into a, a dissertation on researching these things? I mean, usually people have a pretty, have a, an organic, sometimes an organic, but sometimes a really interesting pathway into why they're studying what they're studying. What led you in that direction? Uh, a couple of things, and I'll mention one just because you mentioned it. it is I come from a pretty uh, conservative religious background, and it's um, got a lot of, essentially the people who serve within the congregation are lay ministers. And, mm -hmm. and so you're actually invited at a very young age to participate as leaders uh, okay. and, and to give sermons or, or talks in church and, and teach lessons at a very young age and and very quickly you have to it, it gives you leadership exposure so that was something that automatically cued me into leadership and then in high school my favorite class i don't know how many high schools offer this class but it was sports psychology huh. and and i read books uh by stephen r covey uh by mike shishevsky the head coach of the blue, blue devils pat riley who at the time was uh, head coach of the miami heat and I, I read those books and I remember thinking, reading these, if there was a career where I could just study this and write books, that would be a fit for me. I just didn't know there was a career out there nice. until several years later when I learned about organizational behavior. That's so cool. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because, well, I, I'm glad, thanks for sharing your experience. And the interesting connection in my mind is I think a lot about how powerful the athletic industry has been in mindset work and mindset development. You know, it's like we look at Olympians, they all have coaches, they all do visualization, they do mindset training, and they give credit to mindset in a very different way than most people do. Yeah. And so I think it's a very good model. It makes sense. You know, Carol Dweck's book has a lot of uh, athletes and research on athletes. And um, yeah, fascinating. I love that. I love that that was your, you know, you thought, oh, if I could get paid to do this, and here you are doing exactly that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely fun. I love waking up every morning. Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, tell us more. I want to know, you know, for a lot of my listeners are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, um, you know, working in, in the field of a, a, a space where you've got to have a powerful mindset in order to win the game, you know, and, and staying, you know, staying through self doubt, uh, imposter syndrome, fear, uncertainty, all those things to me, it's, that's why mindset is so important in the work that I do with the people that I work with. And, and even in this podcast, bringing on people to help give really practical tips. So what are some really practical, actionable strategies that people can use to shift from closed to open or fixed to growth? Um, 
any any takeaways there for listeners? Yeah, actually, I, I'm going to just bridge this, and there just there's two other sets of mindsets that I focus on. I know I want to focus on uh, one of those sets because oh, I see. Oh, can I ask a question? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I see. So you have four sets, and yep. fixed and growth, open, closed are just two sets, and you've got two yep. more. Awesome. Yeah, okay. Got it. <laughs> so, so let me, if it's okay, let me jump into the third set because I think Absolutely. it will answer exactly what you're asking. Yep. So the third set is a difference between a prevention mindset and a promotion mindset. So when we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not losing. Uh, when we have a promotion mindset, our primary focus is on winning. And here's the difference, which I think is really interesting, is if we imagine that we're a ship captain in the middle of the ocean, and we have a prevention mindset, our primary focus is on not sinking. We don't wanna have any problems, we don't wanna take any risk, we just wanna maintain the status quo. And so when a storm comes on the horizon, as they inevitably do, the person with a prevention mindset will run away from the storm. They will go to a place of safety. But we've gotta ask ourselves, is that place that they go to, probably a harbor or a port of some sort, is that where they originally intended to go when they first set sail? It's unlikely. You see, those, but the ship captains that have a promotion mindset, so their primary focus, it's not that they're not concerned about sinking, they are, but their primary focus is on getting to a specific destination. And so when that storm comes on the horizon, they ask themselves, does this storm stand between me and where I want to go? And if the answer is yes, then we prepare for the storm. And we are become willing to take, take the risks of going through it. So I know a little, slight, a little bit about your story that you talked about going from food stamps to you know, six figures in a few years. Well, the only way that we can do that is not by playing it safe and avoiding the storms. The only way we could do that is by having that clear destination that we're shooting towards. And when I started to learn about these different sets of mindsets, I... I realized that I largely had a prevention mindset. In fact, I think I became a professor because I had a prevention mindset. Is I saw being a professor as being a great career with great work-life balance, not too stressful, and I didn't have to bust my butt. But when I realized that, look, becoming, being a professor was limiting me from accomplishing some of my goals, such as writing a book. Uh, and so, it wasn't until I realized this and started to make shifts towards a promotion mindset did I start my own business, write my own book, go into debt to start my business, do some really risky things. Um, so that's the difference between the two. And I want to give you some examples uh, of how we can make the shifts. But before I do, I just feel like I've been doing a lot of talking. Do you have anything to add along those two mindsets? No, you're, you're doing amazing. I, I'm listening, learning, writing notes. I, I think it's really powerful. Um, I, I so appreciate, you know, in my, it's funny coming from an academic background because I often now I'm, I, I'm starting to actually use the terms like law of attraction and manifestation and vibration and all these things, which, you know, in, in in my academic mind, part of me is like, oh, that's that's what we're talking about. But in yeah. academic world, we use different languaging. And when you're talking, you know, I always tell people what you focus on expands based on the law of vibration, law of attraction. So when you're talking about focusing on not losing, your brain focuses on losing. And when you're focused on winning, your brain focuses on winning. So it's super powerful and in totally in alignment with with the way that I think. So I 
I'm, I'm gobbling this up and I'm sure my listeners are too. <laughs> awesome. So, so let me, let me give you a practical tip here. And this is, comes about just through my experience. So at the time when I was learning about diving into these mindsets in, in great depth, I, I had a business owner who handed me a book and he says, this is going to change your life. And I look at the title and the title of this book is the five minute journal. And the thought that goes off in my mind is there is no way in hell I am journaling. Like, <laughs> I'm not a journal. I'm not doing this. But I'm like, of course, like in front of him, like, oh, yeah, this is great. I love Thanks. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, and, and so I go home. I put it on my desk and I open it up. And, and what the five-minute journal is, is it has you answer three questions in the morning. So what are three things you're grateful for? What are three things that would make today amazing? And then fill in some self-affirmations. Nice. And then at night... What are three amazing things that would have that happened today? And what did, what could you have done better to make today better? So uh, awesome. Something along those lines. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just give it a shot, right? He gave me the book. I'll give it a shot. I did it for two weeks and I literally started to feel this shift in me. And, and because the shift was, I now started to get in, I think in healthy competition with myself. How do I make today better than yesterday? How do I make this week better than last week? How to make this month better than last month? And what I didn't realize at the time, but what I now know, knowing the neuropsychology behind mindsets, is that what I was doing using the journal was activating and strengthening my positive mindset neural connections with regards to the promotion mindset. And as I did that on a daily basis, I came to rely upon that more and more in my day-to-day -day life. And so essentially what I was doing is this was, I was hitting the gym for my brain or for my mindsets. And, and that caused a, as I did these small interventions over and over again, to use your terminology, I was creating that new path down the snow hill that was now becoming easier and easier to go down, which literally shifted how I saw my world how I thought about my world, how I learned in my world, and therefore how I behaved in my world, such as starting up a new business, uh, writing a book, going into debt uh, to, to try to finance some of these endeavors. And at the end of the day, I'm still not at my destination, but I feel like I'm making progress towards it, which is uh, I've, come to I've come to learn to love the journey. I love this. Okay. There's several things I want to highlight here. First, all my listeners know how much I talk about journaling and it's interesting. I always ask people at the end and I'll ask you too in a little bit um, what your top three max potential habits are across the board. Probably 75% of people say journaling is one of their top habits. And you know, so everyone listening, go to the show note links and get my seven day journal template. It actually is almost exactly what Dr. Ryan's talking about. You know, it's, uh, what worked today? What didn't? What am I grateful for? What are my affirmations? And what are the top highest five, three to five prior, highest priority action steps I can take today to advance my, you know, an up level? And it's free. It's it'll be it's free download. So go get it because it it exactly that it creates a promotion mindset. It shifts your perspective. It helps you master your mindset. So it, your mindset doesn't master you. All of those important things. So I, I love that you highlighted that. And I want to check out that five minute journal book just because I always love to learn more. Another thing, um, I, I'm curious, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight this for you. I'm, I'm curious because you said it a couple times and I, it stood out in my brain. Um, the debt piece. Uh huh. And I'm thinking like, obviously you see it in, in a very positive light. You're like, oh, I went into debt to fund my business, write my book and expand myself. 
have you ever considered shifting the discussion around it from debt to like investment in myself? Uh, for sure. And I think that that's a great point. So, and I know that you focus around mindsets dealing with money, yeah. which I probably need some more work to do <laughs> in, in that regard. And, and you're highlighting that, which I think is a great thing. I think there's a resource, a book that I read that's probably done more to shift my mindsets around money than any other book. And you probably read it given uh, the, some of the terminology you've used, but it's, um, you are a badass at making money. Oh yeah, I love Jensen Chero, yeah. Which I love her stuff and her snarky attitude and, and yeah. everything. But in, in reality, you know, I think that there, to your point, there is a mindset around money and, and for me, I, I, I think my prevention mindset historically made me see debt as this bad thing. I mean, I graduated with my undergraduate and PhD without going into any debt because nice. I saw it as being such, like, I kind of thought I would be successful as long as I don't have any problems. And uh -huh. debt is a problem. Right. You know, was my mindset. And what I've come to realize is, is really your point is if, it's not about having problems. It's about reaching your destination. Nice. And, and so the, the times in which I've, I've maybe pulled some money out or taken on loans or a home equity line of credit is, is I have tried to see those more as investments in creating the future that I want to create. Yeah, awesome. and, I, and I credit Jen Centuro a lot for helping me shift those. Yeah, she that book. Anyone listening, that book is phenomenal. I love it. And when it came out, I was like, "Oh, that's the book I need to write." Because I, you know, <laughs> like her terminology and her her personality. Someday she's going to be on this podcast for sure. <laughs> Good. Yeah, you need to get her on. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. I want to hear the fourth mindset. Uh, you said pair. What do you call them? mindset? Set. Mindsets. Okay. Yeah. Mindset set. So the the last set is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. Ooh. So when we have an inward mindset, we have a tendency to see ourselves as being more important than others. And the consequence of that is we have a tendency to see others as objects, maybe instruments to get us where we want to go or barriers that are standing in our way. So for example, and I'm sure you've never done this, I've done this living in Southern California, but if you're driving along on the freeway and somebody puts their blinker on to enter into your lane, have you ever had an instance where you sped up so they couldn't get in as opposed <laughs> to let them in, right? I, this is just, to me, a classic example of an inward mindset because what we're saying in that instance is my space in this line is more important than your space in this line. And, and we, we justify it by saying, Instead of saying, I didn't let that person in, we're probably going to say, I didn't let that car in because we're dehumanizing them. Uh. Whereas the outward mindset, on the other hand, is when we see others as being just as important as ourselves, and this allows us to see them more as people and to see that their needs and wants matter just as much as our own. Because when we see others as people and they're trying to get into our lane, of course we're going to back off. We're going to let them in because their wants and needs matter just as much as our own. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. It's like 15 feet of difference in terms of where we are. Uh, and so that's the difference between inward and outward mindset. Awesome. I love that. Okay. So 
it's interesting because when you said it, my brain goes a little bit to introversion, extroversion, but really different. It, it, not it the is, same. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the way that you explain it. Can you give us, let, let's say that you're kind of stuck in that space of dehumanizing other people in the inward. What's a strategy to shift to X to outward? So great question. And let me give you an example of somebody okay. who made that shift that I think is really powerful. The, the gentleman's name is Benjamin Zander. He's the founder and conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he said for the first half of his career, he had this stereotypical, he was the stereotypical authoritarian conductor or leader. And he saw his people, not his musicians, not as people, but as instruments there to mm -hmm. play the music the way that he wanted it played. Because if he could get them to play the music the way that he wanted to play, he would get all the fame and notoriety. But then he said halfway through his career, he had an epiphany. And the epiphany was that while he may be the face of the orchestra, he doesn't play a note. And this caused him to make a shift more towards an outward mindset. So rather than see his musicians as instruments, he started to see them as people. And rather than say, how do I get them to play the music the way that I want them to play it? How do I get them to play the music that they are best capable of playing? Mm. And at the end of the day, what's going to produce more beautiful music? Well, it's focusing on how they can best play the music. And so this is an example of a shift. I, I think that uh, for me, what is the most helpful, and I will admit, this is the mindset set that I think I struggle with the most. Um, and for me, it's just really helpful to have some quick introspective questions that we can ask ourselves, such as, am I being inward or outward? Or am I seeing them as a person or as an object? Or another beautiful question, and this actually comes from, uh, 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 I'll give you one from Brene Brown. And she asked the question, do you think in general that people are doing the best that they can? Hmm. Great question. And yeah. if we answer no, we're going to have a tendency to be really critical of other people and much more likely to see them as objects. If we see them as doing the best that we can, and if they maybe fall short of our expectations, rather than be critical, we're going to wonder what has gone on here. We're going to explore this and try to unpack for them what led them to maybe perform less than our expectations. We're going to be much more sensitive to their wants and needs. So for me, those introspection, introspective questions are really powerful. Um, but reading books on these topics, watching videos, are all other exercises that we can engage in to activate our positive mindset and connections. Awesome. I love it. One thing I really noticed is that when you were, you know, raising those questions to shift from inward to outward, you're using the open mindset, right? Because you're asking those questions, getting curious, having an open place for exploration about what the outward experience is instead of getting stuck in this stance of I'm right. I know what's up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I want to highlight, I think when you said, you know, this is one of the places you struggle most, I think academics are trained to be inward. Right. You know, when you think about scientific rigor, it's like, how do you have the most objective stance possible in order to really come up with scientific research that's valid and rigorous and all those things? And so it's something that's I think I struggle. I have struggled with that as well, where it's like, oh, wow. Um, you know, how can I 
I, I go in and out of that, like loving to humanize. And it's probably, it was why writing a dissertation was so hard for me because, <laughs> you know, I, I worked with um, incarcerated men and I did life history interviews. And when I was writing my dissertation, like all the parts that I loved that had like the heart in it were like crossed out, like red line, like, no, 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 yeah. no. And I'm like, wait, but this is the juice. <laughs> yeah. So it was like training myself almost into the inward perspective. And so I think that's, a, you know, it could be a potential reason why that, that that's a struggle. No, and, and I know you're, it's been for me. Yeah, you're bringing up the point. Our culture and our context yeah. plays a really important role in shifting our mindsets. And let me, let me just maybe bring all of these mindsets together, I think, in, in an interesting way. And the reason why I bring this up is because what I found across 10,000 people who have taken my mindset assessment only 5% are in the top quartile for all four of these mm -hmm. sets of mindsets. What that means is most of us have some mindset work to do if we want to unlock greater success. And so if you're an individual who's listening to this and you're thinking, I just want to take the next step up in terms of my success. The place that we should focus is on our mindsets. And, and if we can awaken to our mindsets, we're going to unlock that success. But let me kind of bring these to life just a little bit more. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little test here. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you four desires, and I want you to tell me if these are positive or negative desires. Is that okay? Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. The desires are a desire to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. Oh, it's impossible for me to say whether they're good or bad because I would need more information about why the context, really. You're such a great academic, right? <laughs> and, and here's why I bring it up, because who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get passed up? Yeah. Well, nobody. Like, these are really justifiable desires to have. The problem is, is that they're connected to our negative mindsets. Yeah. And the reason why they're so negative is because where are they focused? They're focused on ourselves. Yeah. Are wanting to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. Yeah. And so it, a lot of us are locked in, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, but a lot of us get locked into these mindsets, not because, you know, we recognize that these are bad, but because we could justify them so easily. And what we just don't recognize is that there's more positive desires to have that are higher order. So instead of a desire to look good, we need to have a desire to learn and grow, a growth mindset. Instead of a desire to be right, a desire to find truth and think optimal, an open mindset. Instead of a desire to avoid problems, a desire to reach goals, a promotion mindset. Instead of a desire to get ahead, a desire to lift others, an outward mindset. And so if we pull this together in terms of just you think about becoming our ideal selves or becoming a better leader, who would we rather follow? Somebody who's focused on uh, looking good, being right, avoiding problems and getting ahead, or somebody who's focused on learning and growing, finding truth, reaching goals and lifting others. And when you, I don't know about you, but at least when I lay it out that way, it seems pretty clear. Awesome. Okay. Everyone needs to rewind to that place. That was powerful and, and pieced it together all very, very clearly to where I go, Oh yes, yes, yes. It totally makes sense. And I love that you've collaborated on those four different sets. Um, wow. Okay. Incredible. 
where can people find your book? I usually ask this at the very end, but I know where I actually want to know when is your book coming out? Cause I know it's right now in pre-release. Is that true? Yeah, so the okay. ebook and audio book are out and okay. those are available on my website. In fact, at the moment you can buy the ebook and get the audio book for free. Uh, cool. My mindset assessment is free on my website as well. I've also developed a digital mindset coach, which is essentially an, an app or you can get it via email a notification every other day with exercises to strengthen your positive mindset. Nice. Um, and so that's something new, exciting. The, the big release of my book is May 5th. Uh, and that's when the print uh, version will come out and I'll have some other kind of freebies that are associated with that. Um, but I think the best place to go is go to my website. That will direct you to different outlets like Amazon or Barnes and Noble, etc. Okay. And then, but you'll also, if you come back with your, order number, then you'll get a bunch of freebies, like a free webinar or discount to the digital mindset coach. Awesome. Okay. And everyone listening, I'll have sh uh, the links in the show notes. So I know your website is ryangottfredson.com. It's G-O-T-T-F-R-E-D-S-O-N.com. And then, and R-Y-A-N for Ryan. And um, there's links, he, you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and there's a link for the book, all kinds of awesome stuff. The assessment, oh, this sounds so cool. I love stuff like that. So that'll be great resources for the listeners. Um, before I ask you your top three max potential habits, what anything else that you feel like, oh, I've really got to share this part of mindsets or, or what, it, you know, takeaways for listeners? No, I think we've covered it really well. I, I just hope that one of the things that we're communicating, and I believe you already do this with your audience, but is that our mindsets are truly foundational to everything that we do because they serve as the linchpin between the situations that we encounter and how we manifest ourselves in the world. And, and so our mindsets truly are the most foundational aspect about ourselves. And going back to kind of my comments around leadership development, historically leadership development, and I think largely personal development, as if, if we're going to focus on that, we generally focus on our behaviors. But if we don't change our mindsets, our prevailing mindsets will resist any changes that we're trying to make in our behaviors. So a much more natural way and much more effective way of developing ourselves is to push our mindsets forward because as we do so, we will think learn and behave better as a natural consequences of improving our mindsets. And so hopefully we're, we're helping people better understand that truly if they want to improve mindsets is the place to start. This is so powerful, Ryan, because, you know, I think that in coaching world, people get really stuck on doing a lot for the behavior and people don't understand why they're not progressing, succeeding, overcoming. If you have incongruent beliefs going on, like you talked about in the beginning, the unconscious is really what runs us. So if you don't become aware of what those unconscious blocks are, it's really, really challenging to shift because your unconscious is going to take over the conscious. If you say you want one thing, but you're getting another thing, you know that you have a mindset block. And so, you know, pretty much every single person I work with, that's what we work on. And, you know, like I'll have, it was funny today in a session, I had someone ask, well, I, I need to do this and this in my schedule and this and that. And I said, wait, 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 <laughs> let's go back to the belief behind this first. And you can see the light bulbs go off because it's like, yeah. oh, now I don't even need to worry about the, how I show up behaviorally for the schedule because I've shifted my belief system around what was holding me back. 
So it's like such powerful work. I mean, I think what you're doing is incredibly impactful and I want everyone to buy your book because it sounds incredible. I can't wait to read it. No, thank you so much. And, and I hope that this framework that we've talked about, it's done it for me and I believe it's done it for others, but it is, it's not the most perfect framework, right? We could always add to it, but what it does is it gives us a language that allows us to focus on our non-conscious processing. We're starting to awaken to our non-conscious processing or make conscious our non-conscious. Yeah. And as we do this, we're enhancing our self-awareness, we're enhancing our emotional intelligence, and we're ultimately, we're becoming more and more of the version of ourselves that we want to become. Yes. Awesome. So good. Uh, I could definitely hang out with you and talk a lot longer. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. Share with listeners what the top three max potential habits you believe got you where you are today. And I'm sure I already know what one of them is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So for me, it, it's partly about starting your day off right. And, yeah. and for me, uh, the first thing that I do is get into my five minute journal. But let me just mention something in addition to that that I use that I think your journal tool that you talked about, uh, I kind of use two things and you've got them integrated. I, I use a planner called the Full Focus Planner. It's put out by Michael Hyatt. But it allows me, because the five-minute journal is essentially a day-to-day -day journal. Yeah. But I want to look beyond the day-to-day. -day. I want to, what about the next year, the next quarter, the next month? And, and the five-minute, or sorry, the full-focus planner allows me to identify my long-term goals and break it down into quarterly, monthly, weekly, and then daily goals. So the first thing that I do every day is that combination of the five-minute journal and reviewing my daily goals and how they're connected to my long-term goals. Then what I do is I, I mean, I get up early because I want the first part of my day to be an investment in my success. Um, I think a lot of people wake up at the last possible moment to please other people, such as their children or a spouse or their employer. But if we can wake up with enough time to invest in ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a position to be successful for not only long-term, but throughout the day. So usually that time for me is, um, first part of my day is a time to write and make progress on, on kind of my bigger, most important progress projects undisturbed and then it's also a time for me to work out um, and so I, I generally can get in two hours worth of writing uh, a decent workout and a decent chunk of email before 9 a.m. in the morning and awesome. if I could do that before 9 a.m. you know I feel like I'm successful just yeah yeah powerful okay okay so so I'm hearing Start day, start the day right, which is for you journal, starting with journaling, but then also waking up early um, to create undisrupted free time. And then what would a third be or did I miss it? No, I think that uh, I probably only did say two. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I was going to say mindset for you. I thought for sure you were going to say mindset, but. <laughs> and and the, the, these activities are designed to help with like the five minute journal is designed. Yeah. To help with the yeah. Mindset. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, largely we've got to create balance in our lives if we want to have the right mindsets, because when we have the negative mindsets, really what that's telling us is that we're in self-protection mode as opposed to organization advanced mode. 
And so we've got to be able to create health in our lives to the point where we aren't so focused on our own well-being that we can now focus on others. And so that can mean a wide variety of things. So if I'm getting up early, I need to go to bed early. I need to get the right amount of sleep. For me, I need to get exercise or else I'm not going to function effectively. Yeah. Other people that might be, they need to go get a massage once a week. Um, they need to set aside time to read. And, and so I think just a allowing ourselves to incorporate just well-being into our schedule i think is, is a really mm. that is powerful um you know i think in terms of mindset especially well well you know this is a hot habits podcast but in you know i talk about your mindset as a habit over time you create your mindset as a habit and then it becomes autopilot so if you don't have a mindset that sets you up for success you've got to shift it strategically through a, a strategic process and in one of those, in celebrating ourselves, it really sets us up for creating those positive neural pathways and associative links with, oh, awesome, I did a great job. Now I get to have the rest and rejuvenation and nuts. Oh, awesome, I did a great job. Now I get to celebrate myself and do something really wonderful for myself. And I so agree with you. I know in academic world, because I've been in that, and then in, in entrepreneurial world, world, those are two places where people tend to get on the treadmill and not get off to take time to relax, rejuvenate, uh, you know, all of that. So I think that's super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. What's one thing you do to, to do that, to, to relax and celebrate yourself? I'm curious. For, for me, uh, running is really, okay. that's actually really react, relaxing to me. Uh, yeah. it, it's just a way that I unwind and it, I, I kind of can't do without it. So. Awesome. Uh, that, that helps a lot. Great. Thank you so much for all the tips and gems and wisdom. Can't wait for your book to come out. I hope that it goes incredibly well. I'm sure it will. Thanks for being here. No, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having such a great show. And thanks for focusing on mindsets and letting me be a part of your journey and a part of your audience. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you took a ton of notes. If, if you weren't driving or doing something where you couldn't take notes, go back and rewind. Definitely order Ryan's book. All the links will be there. And until next time, I hope you have a max potential week where you thrive and feel alive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free eBooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus links to NFA coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.